Hey, thanks for saying hi to somebody. Thanks for saying hi to somebody and, and, uh, and grabbing a seat. Hey, it is, it's really good to be together. It's really good to sing together. Thanks again to the band just for leading us in worship. And um, Connor just, uh, uh, he, he just previewed that it's good to be here today because this is a doozy. And so I, um, so I'm, I'm just, I'm right now I'm changing up some things to try to get to doozy um, to level. So if, hopefully we can get there. I'm not, I'm, let me know later if I, if I, if I had a right idea of, uh, of what a doozy is. Uh, my name's Tim. I'm a lead pastor here. And uh, I, I really, I kind of hate to admit this, but when I woke up this morning and breathed in the air that was coming in off the back lawn, um, I just really, really liked the, the smell of the fresh rain. And uh, we're, we're applauding rain. Okay, I just, we're applauding rain. That's a that's a first. That's I think that I'm aware of that I remember. So, but I, I enjoyed that. I so have loved summer, and it just it's like these are the last few hours of it. I know some of you are starting to school tomorrow, uh, and again, I'm sorry to have to mention that. Uh, uh, parents, I'm sure, are middle of the road, and uh, and and some of you students are like, ah, tomorrow I got to go back to school, and so uh, we're here to help you deal with that pain and want to walk with you in it, and um, it's going to be a great year for you. Uh, I believe. Hey, uh, as, as Connor said, we're going we're gonna to pick up uh, uh, and continue on in our series. Uh, we've got this week, and then we're going to wrap it up next week uh, on Labor Day weekend. Um, and where we've been this summer is, is, is in this series, How Jesus Lived. Just really simple. Uh, we want to take a look at Jesus. Jesus is absolutely unique, God in the flesh, and yet he models for us how we're to live, uh, how human beings were intended and designed to live. Jesus modeled that for us, not in his attire, not in his dress, not in the time in which he lived, but the, the rhythms and patterns of his life model for us really the, the best way to live. He, he spent time, he set time in his day, in his calendar, in his week to be alone with his father, to listen to his father. He says, I want to say what the father tells me to say. I want to be in step with him. I want to know him. And so he spent time with God. We're to spend time with God. He spent time investing in relationship with his, his family and friends, his closest. He probably had a community of, uh, of between, anywhere between 70 and 120 people, we know as we read through the gospel, that, that he was in relationship with. He considered his, his family, his, his tight friends that were pursuing God with him. And then, as we've looked at the last couple of weeks, that, that Jesus cared deeply and was for and came because the world needs him. And so he modeled for us how to care and love and, and reach those around us who who are far from God, who don't know God. And so I want to take a look at that again today of, of how Jesus models that and does that for us. And, and we read it through scripture. So I want to invite you to, to, to get a Bible if you don't have one um, or look it up. We're going to be in Acts chapter one today. So the first part of the New Testament goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the next book is Acts. And we're going to be in Acts chapter one and look at just a few verses together. But you can grab a Bible on the side if you don't have one or, or find it there on a screen or, or in, a, in a Bible on your lap. But um, I want to invite you to get there to Acts chapter one. And, and I want to also invite you to pray with me and then, and then we'll dive in. So let's pray together. God, our, our desire as Mosaic is to, is to be your people and to, and to be known by that by, by worshiping you. And, and just as we've done this morning, just to, just to stop, to, to come into this time and this place, to enter into this moment and just to stop and to, and to be with you and to be able to sing and reflect and listen and pray and be with friends and meet new people and just to be a, a, a people after you who worship you. And so, God, I'm just grateful that we can do that, that we can come into this place and, 
and sing to you and meet with you. And that you would be named and known and and exalted for who you are. That you're the creator of the universe. That you know and love each and every one of us. That you are all powerful. And that you are present with us. And Holy Spirit, we invite you, even as we read these, these verses that are going to mention you and talk about you today, that, that we're open to where you're leading each of us. Some of us just simply need healing and comfort. Others of us need challenge and conviction. And so God... We ask that that you, Holy Spirit, would would meet us and change us and direct us. And Jesus, we, we worship you, we need you, we know you as Savior and as King. And yet at the very same time, you did this just unique thing that you could model how we're to live to. And so as as we listen for you and as we read your word, would you would you teach us and, and tell us how we're to go forth into our day and our week and our life? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So Acts chapter 1 uh, says this. If you're not there, Acts chapter 1. Um, this is the, really the last words of Jesus. Jesus is with his disciples. He's uh, been crucified. He's resurrected. Uh, and it says there in the first few verses that he spent about 40 days hanging out with his friends, reconnecting, just you know, shocking them, eating with them, and then, and then hanging out and teaching with them for about 40 days. And, and then it sends it, he ascends. But right before he does that, these are really his last words to his disciples. Verse 4. On one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him. So I don't know, if if you were to hear that from Jesus, I'm, I'm... I'm going to take off soon, but here's just wait in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if this is the question that would rise in your mind, but it's the one that, that came to their mind. They gathered around him, his disciples gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the very next verses talk about how Jesus ascends into the clouds and he disappears and they don't see him anymore. And and that's it. These are his last words. Jesus' last words to his disciples. Um, I had this just gift of an opportunity uh, in... I think it was late June, just a couple months ago. Uh, my, my middle son, Max, is uh, entering into his senior year of high school, critical moment in his life. He had just finished his junior year, um, wrapped up his, his uh, he's, he's water polo player and uh, club season finished up. And we, we got this little gap of time. And, and he and I took off for a backpacking trip of uh, two nights, three days, two nights. And uh, we went uh, just down the gorge a little bit and uh, just near Cascades Locks and, and jumped on the uh, Pacific was it Pacific Crest Trail? Yeah, Pacific Crest Trail for a little bit. Did a, did a little loop um, about, uh, I don't even know how many miles it was. Uh, enough to be sore. 15-mile um, loop maybe we did over, no, it was more than that. It was 24. 24 in three days. Some of you are really impressed by that. Some of you are like, well, okay, you didn't really need to pack for that. But whatever. It was, it was 24 miles over, over three days and, and two nights. Um, and it was a great time just to, just to talk 
Um, it takes a lot, if you don't know this, to get a teenage son to talk to his dad. Um, and so I isolated him. I held all the food and he talked to me. <laughs> One of the things that we ended up talking about, and I didn't have much of an agenda. I just wanted to connect with him. And, uh, now, one of the things we ended up talking about was, was my best friend growing up, John. And I just got, to, he just listened to me. He kept asking questions. I just kept telling him about John. I, I love John. John was my best friend growing up. We, we went to school together from, uh, I think, uh, first grade all the way through 12th grade. We were, we were classmates that whole time. He took, he took one year off um, and went to a different school and then came back. But other than that one year we were together, he lived eight blocks away from me. He, was, he became essentially family. My sister married his younger brother. So we actually are family now. We were friends in elementary school. When we got into junior high school or middle school, we became best friends. And I had story after story to, to tell about John, about how he, when we got old enough to start riding bikes and go wherever we wanted on, on Saturdays, he could do all of the tricks and all the jumps and, and I couldn't do them. I could tell him how he had this spiritual gift of finding just gold items in the alley next to his house. He would have a new TV in his room. He would have a, a new jack for his car. He would have, he had a furniture for the house. He just found it in the, in the alley next to it. And it was decent stuff. I don't know how he had it. It was just God's blessing on his life. He got that stuff. I, ne- I went in the alley. I never could find any of the good stuff. <laughs> he found all that stuff. We, uh, one of my favorite stories about John is that he uh, was trying to blow something up in the backyard driveway and uh, decided to use gasoline and uh, it tipped over, caught on fire, and the gasoline just spread in this big pool. And so um, he decided to do what any, I think, of us non-firemen would do, is get a hose and try to put it out, which then just splashed all of the gasoline up on the side of the house and caught the house on fire. I could tell you two dozen stories like that about John. I, we, we were going into high school, we were freshmen, and we decided to play call. Uh, uh, tackle football for the first time. Neither one of us had played tackle football in our lives before. And if you've never done that and you're going into high school, you kind of have to fake it like you know what's going on. And so we got all of our equipment, went into his living room, put it all on and was like, okay, we have to know how to tackle each other. So we started tackling each other in his family room with nobody else home and going, okay, I think we got it. We know how to do it right. And then two years later, I still don't know how to do it. And he's leading our whole area in most tackles of any high schooler in, in our whole area. And I, story after story, Unfortunately, John's life is also marked by tragedy. And the one year off of high school that we didn't get to spend together was because he didn't have money to go to our private school anymore because his dad was in jail because he got off his medication and tried to kill his mom and John had to call the police on him. And tragedy marked his home life growing up in more ways than I even knew until we got older. We kind of went our separate ways because as you can imagine with that kind of home life, he entered into in his early adult years one of those just unfortunately classic failure to launch into adulthood well and I moved away and he stayed in the LA area and we touched base every few years but we're not best friends anymore but I deeply love John and I could tell story after story of all the things that I love about John and what a great friend he was and how I enjoyed being friends with him growing up I can do that because we were close growing up. And what I just did for Max over those few days and what I just did for you now in a really condensed way is I just witnessed to you about my friend John. I just told you about who I know John to be because I'm friends with John. I just told you about who John is because I spent time in relationship with him and hours and hours in the day. And before we had separate lines in the house for phones, we would hog the phone lines and talk for hours at night in middle school because we we didn't understand 
what and who and how girls worked. And I can witness to you about John because I spent time with John and I know John. When Jesus said to his disciples, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. What he was telling them to do and what he was modeling for them to do is because you're in relationship with the God of the universe, because many of us in this room are in relationship with a savior named Jesus Christ, we can tell other people about him. We can naturally witness. We just talk, telling stories, talking about our friend. It's okay to call Jesus a friend. He's called his first disciples friends. That last meal, he says, we're, we're friends. I consider you my friends. I want you to tell other people about me. These, these verses that we read earlier are, are critical and have been critical for some 2,000 years of framing how the people of God, how the church thinks about the world around them. And for some of us, we, we read these verses and, and we hear this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And for many of us, we, we read these and we see this and we go, okay, wait, I... I don't plan on, on going anywhere. I'm, I'm raising a family and I'm rooted right here. I can't imagine going to the ends of the earth. That's for, um, that's for that uh, missionaries. That's not, that's not me. But, but Jerusalem was where they lived. And so what does that mean for, why, for me, for where I live? I live in the Portland, Vancouver metro area. What is, so I'm supposed to be a witness. In, in there. I, that feels intimidating. I'd rather just offload that to people that get paid to do that or leaders in my church. But, but this is Jesus talking to everybody. And immediately what happens is we get, we get intimidated or insecure, feel like this is way beyond us. And, and yet Jesus is saying, no, this is for all of you that know me. There's a, you maybe know this or maybe you don't know this. Um, there's, there's three primary verb forms that, that are used, right? Um, I, I know it's summertime and we haven't gotten back into school yet. And so this part of our brain isn't required to be on right now. But just let's, if we can move into grammar class, just as a real preview to this school year, just, just for a moment and, and kind of geek out on this. There's, there's three verb tenses that we know. Uh, indicative, imperative, and subjunctive. I, I know what two of those three mean. Um, one, is, one is imperative, this, this middle one here. And if you look in, in, in your Bibles here, if you look at this text here, in verse 4 it says that Jesus gave them a command. And that's what an imperative verb tends to mean. It means somebody's telling somebody else what to do. Go and do this. And what Jesus tells them to do is don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere yet. Wait here. In fact, don't do a whole lot. Eat and sleep, but wait here until the Holy Spirit comes. That's a, that's a command. And what, a, what an imperative is, is it's a command to do something. And indicative is, is entirely different. An indicative is just a statement of something that's factual. This is something that's real. This is true. This is what is. Later on in these verses, we find this indicative form of a verb. And it's in verse 8. And it says again, listen to it again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then it says, you will be my witnesses. You, you just... It, we hear that as a command or as a marching orders, and it, and it certainly is in some degree. But what Jesus is saying to them is, when you experience the Holy Spirit, when you're in relationship with me, this is what, this is what just happens. This is, this is just something natural that, that flows out. You, you will become this. It's like saying, if you go to class tomorrow and you finish out this year, and then you go to class again for another year, and you finish all the classes to, to fulfill whatever requirements are for a degree, and you get passing grades in all those classes, the result of that is that you're a graduate with a degree in whatever, fill in the blank, a high school diploma, a bachelor's degree in an emphasis or a major in this. That just, that just will happen. You will become a graduate. Jesus is saying, if you wait here, if you experience the Holy Spirit, if you're in relationship with me, 
If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit, if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, what will naturally happen to you is that you'll be my witnesses. You'll naturally talk about me. You'll naturally have a heart for people that are far from me and want to connect them to me. That, that will just flow out of your life. We, we can hear these verses and go, okay, I got to go tell somebody right now. And that's not what the command is. The command is, is to, to be in step with the Spirit. To be in relationship with Jesus. To know the God of the universe through the good news of the gospel of who Jesus is and what he's done. And when we do that, what happens is that our heart changes. Our mind changes. The things that we care about, that we see, that we put emphasis on, that we put priority on. The, the things that our heart breaks for, that we care about. Our desires actually begin to change. And we care about other people coming to know Jesus. That we think about our family and our parents and our friends and our brothers and sisters and our neighbors and the co-workers that annoy us and our classmates that we laugh at. And all of a sudden when we see them, we want to connect them to the one who has changed us and who loves us and has saved us. That just becomes naturally part of who we are. For many of us, we feel this, this call or this assignment or these marching orders and we feel so inadequate. And Jesus isn't saying to us, this is not the voice of Jesus that says to us, why aren't you doing this? You're less than, you're not enough. That's not Jesus' voice. Jesus is saying, hey, let's hang out. Hey, will you spend time in my word? Hey, will you come get to know me better? Hey, listen to who I say that you are. I don't know if Jesus says, hey, now that I'm thinking that. But he's naming us by name. And he's saying, I want to be in a relationship with you. When that happens, your heart for the world around you will be just fine. Your heart for your family members and friends who don't know Jesus will get bigger and larger and all break for them. That's a good thing. The disciples ask this question when they hear the command. They say, Jesus, are you going to now restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus probably made the sound of, what just happened? Wait, wait, how long have we spent together? You saw me on the cross, right? You saw the empty grave, right? I'm doing miracles. I'm eating among you. My hands are healing up. I got a spear hole in my side that's still healing up. Over 40 days, maybe that happened. Maybe that's why I stayed 40 days so they could see it healed and then he ascended. I, he's like, I, what are, what's going on? You're, think, you're, you're focused on something in the here and now that is as small and as tiny and as minute and is as insignificant as one nation. Which, oddly enough, we might have that problem again here, but... He's saying, I'm much bigger than that. There's, there's so much more that I care about than that. Why are you asking about Israel? And he's still gentle with them as a response. And again, he says, it's not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Don't, okay, you're asking the wrong question. And then again, verse 8, we've heard it several times. But then he says, but. Don't worry about the time. It's not for you to know. But. And this word right here means, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick you up off of the tracks that you're on. You're on this path. I'm going to try to get you off of your path and onto my path, which is where I want you to be with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change you from thinking about this, and I, wanna, I want you to think about this. So that's, that's all what's in there in that, in that but. It's a, it's a shifting of tracks. But here's, here's where I want you to go. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and you're going to receive the power that comes with the Holy Spirit. And then what will naturally happen is you will be my witnesses. When you receive the Holy Spirit, which is the first time, which is a fascinating story, turn a couple pages, read about Pentecost, and it's this absolutely bonkers scene 
where they can speak in different languages and everybody that's packed into Jerusalem at that time for all the different reasons of what was going on and they could speak to people that spoke all different languages and there's this massive movement of God that starts. And the reason is because the Holy Spirit showed up and they opened their hearts and minds to him and he began directing them. And what naturally happened was the movement of God started. We had the birth of what we're still a part of today as the church happens because the Holy Spirit shows up. But it's a shifting of tracks. But what had happened for the disciples, even spending all that time with Jesus, they had drifted and their minds had drifted off to their own tracks and their own ideas. And he says, I got to pick you up and get you back on track with me. And for many of us, we can relate to that because that's what happened in our own, happens in our own life is we, we slide off into our own ideas and our own priorities. I, I, I want to I just hit three quick things that I, I, I think are, are reasons that we do that, that we end up where the disciples are, are asking questions that aren't the the Jesus-focused questions, that aren't the, the Jesus-centered questions, that aren't the, the mission that Jesus is concerned about. It becomes our own mission. One reason, I think, is, is because we've, we've always got competing desires. We've got competing desires for what we want in the here and now. And we're trying to listen to Jesus and, and go with him, and, and yet we end up with our, our other list of responsibilities and priorities, and, and, and not, not bad things, just not as good as Jesus. When we were singing earlier, one of the things that, that Maya Ledison was like... Just, just stop for a minute and, and be here with Jesus. Leave behind what's going on in your weeks. Stop for just a second and, and be here with Jesus. We have these competing desires. And when we have competing desires, what we have is competing voices in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives. There's other people competing for our attention. And one of our challenges in that is how do we, how do we discern and sift out what is the, what is the voice of Jesus? What is the prompting of the Holy Spirit in the midst of everything that's going on in our lives? And, and there's two, two ways that I, I want to offer to you that, of how we, how we handle sifting through and discerning all that. One is, is, is to grow as a disciple of Jesus. And, and we've picked a particular way to do that here in this church family's mosaic. And we've, we've been, over the last number of years, working on discipling one another and, and multiplying and let that, that bleed out and and multiply naturally over and over again. Somewhere between 150 and 200 people within our church family have, have experienced what we're calling a discipleship huddle. And a prime, there's so many different parts of what that means in meeting together in a, in a small group of men or women uh, for a fixed period of time where we, where we grow and mature and then go and lead others to do the same. But a key part of that that, that extends through all of it is, is helping us to grow in our ability to to discern what is the voice of Jesus and respond to the Holy Spirit, to listen to Jesus and to respond in the Holy Spirit. If that's something that you want to find out more about or, or be involved in, uh, we've got new leaders that are, have been trained up and are, are ready to lead others. And you can find out more on our website. But, but a huddle experience of where one person is discipling others and they'll go and do the same. It's, it's straight out of Scripture. It's where we find what Jesus modeled for us. The second way is this, of how we, how we sift through the competing voices in our minds and our lives is, is scripture itself. Too many of us try to follow Jesus in this world and aren't engaged in his word. And what happens when we do that is we try to fill in and try to, try to remember what we've heard before or go, I, I heard so-and-so say this on Sunday during the, the teaching time and okay, that's going to sustain me for the week or if I listen to another podcast here, that'll get me through the week. And, and what we miss is, is actually holding it and using our own eyes and minds to, to read it and to, to understand it and to get motivated by it and challenged by it and to, to get confused by it and maybe bored by it and, and then enlightened by it and changed by it. And then, 
Something happens when we go through the regular, diligent, day in and day out, trying to spend a few minutes or longer engaging God's word to us, is that he meets us in it and he changes us over time. Without being regularly in scripture, we really don't stand a fighting chance in the competing desires and voices that enter into our life any given day. The second one is this, is that the second reason that we can drift like the disciples into our own path and, and not be on the path that Jesus wants to be on and be a part of his mission is we don't see the impact that our life is having. So we say, I, I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and I want to be a witness. I want to tell my friends and family about, about Jesus. But I, but I try and I, I just don't see that it makes any different. I've asked uh, Connor to join me up here. I want, to, uh, I want you to hear a story uh, from him that happened a couple weeks ago in the life of our church of, uh, of this idea of, of not seeing the impact that we're having as followers of Jesus in our world. So um, Connor, as you, as you know, he was just up here if you were paying attention a little while ago. But Connor um, is our pastor of families, leads all of our students. Um, and uh, Connor, you, you kind of had this, this experience a couple weeks ago. I know it goes back farther than that, but uh, of how... Um, some folks within Mosaic are actually making a difference and what their impact is as witnesses for Jesus. Yeah. Um, part, part of something we identified a couple years ago is we wanted to provide a, an opportunity for students to, to serve in some meaningful way. And um, so for the past, I think it's been a little over two years, uh, once a month we take a group of students down to the Portland Rescue Mission and at the Burnside Shelter, which is just kind of right on the west side of the Burnside Bridge, um, they, they provide services for lots of people who are living on the street, um, housing resources, recovery programs, uh, meals, hygiene products. They, they do a ton. And, but one of their ministries is, is feeding people twice a day. And so once a month on the third Monday evenings, we take a group from Mosaic and have gone to serve. And there's a couple pictures up there. It's kind of what it looks like. It's, it's chaotic. It's, it's really hectic. We're serving between two and 400 people every meal and it's, and it's, it's fast paced. It's going, which is great for a middle schooler because they, they can buzz and, and get around. And, um, and while we're down there, um, some of the people we're interacting with are, are the people who are cooking in the kitchen or, or kind of helping us serve. And, uh, these are men and women who, are in a six to eight month recovery program where they're they're living down at the Burnside Shelter, and um, and part of their um, recovery is being involved with kind of making the mission happen. And um, and there's a family here at Mosaic, uh, Justin Bree Roberts, and they have a couple girls, Evan and Quinn, and uh, and Bree, the mom. Um, we were serving a couple months ago, and she was chatting with one of these guys who was working in the kitchen, and uh, we'll call him Dave, and and. Uh, I don't know a ton about Dave, but they got talking, and um, and it just became clear to Bree. She was telling me this later that that Dave was just really was kind of questioning Jesus. Felt like he had been kind of burned by the church. Um, had kind of a series of relationships surrounding God that had kind of fallen apart, and what I think just really felt like he was at a crossroads of like, is this really a narrative I buy into, or can I really get on board with with um, Christians and church? And, uh, and so they had this conversation, and, and I think Bree walked away just kind of feeling empathetic for him, like, oh, I know what that's like, or, and, and, but not necessarily knowing what to do, like, like okay, see you, la- see you later. Um, and so uh, this was three or four months ago, and if we fast forward to two weeks ago, we were, we were down there again on Monday night and serving dinner, and Bree and her girls, um, Evan and Quinn, were down there. 
and, and Dave was working in the kitchen. And uh, as the meal's going on, Bree just checked in with him, just like, hey, I remember talking with you last time. How you doing? What's going on? And, and uh, Dave kind of said something that was surprising that I was not expecting. And, and he started to talk about how um, watching Bree and, and Evan and Quinn, Evan is going into seventh grade and, Bree's in, or, and uh, Quinn's going into fifth grade, just watching a mom and her girls interact with each other and serve with watching how the girls um, kind of handed out trays of food or just were smiling as they were refilling water pitchers or just made a game out of wiping tables down. Um, watching these people who Dave knows are Jesus followers just kind of do something a little bit out of their rhythm, but do it with joy and with intention and with purpose and to, and to interact with people um, was actually kind of challenging this paradigm that he was he was believing that that all Christians are a certain way or feeling like he was judged or burned by the church. Of watching Jesus followers outside the church serving was forcing him to rethink about God. And he told Bree at the end, he's like, actually, I, I went back to church last week because I remembered watching the girls serve. And and so Bree's, I don't know, blown, kind of blown away. Like, um, and And partly because, like, we know when we go down there once a month to serve a meal, like we're not solving homelessness. <laughs> um, like we're in the two hours that we're there prepping and, and serving and cleaning up, like uh, we're not solving everybody's problems. And, and you know this, like you're driving around your neighborhood or your commute to work or school, and, and it seems like maybe the problem's even getting bigger or, or more prolific. Um, but having a moment like that of, of going from kind of handing out trays or buzzing around a table to all of a sudden saying like, oh, this is, this is why we do this of, for guys like Dave who just need to see Jesus maybe anew or in a different way or in a seventh grader um, to say like, this, this is worth serving. I know that for the Roberts, like it's inconvenient. Like it's, they have to figure out how they're going to get downtown, how they're going to pay for parking, which if Justin or Bree is going to take them or which car they're going to take or who's going to get off work early. Like, it's, it's not because it just fits so beautifully into their schedule, but rather because they've made a choice to say, like, no, this is something that's valuable to us, oh. and we want to take this as an opportunity to, to show our girls what it looks like to follow, to follow Jesus. Oh. So that's, like, to, to talk about impact and not necessarily knowing our impact like we, I don't have a story like that from every month we go surf, mm-hmm. but every once in a while you kind of the curtain gets pulled back. And you're like, oh, this this is why we're doing that. Like this is what it looks like to be a witness, even as a fifth grader, of you're at, you're making a, a significant difference in somebody's life and in, in their walk with Jesus. Yeah. And so we started this thing for students, but um, it's good enough and it's grown enough where I want you to come too. And so I think it's up. Yeah, the third Monday every month we go do this and. Um, and it's fast. It's messy. You gotta wear clothes to those shoes, but it's like it, it can make a difference in somebody's real walk with Jesus. And I think that's worth doing. Yeah, yeah. Connor, thanks. Thanks. That's a, that's amazing. Not only, I mean, just as you even said that, like it makes a difference in this guy's life um, and and others that I'm sure they don't know. But even for that family too, to to have, you know, as you mentioned, a seventh grader and a fifth grader that the. the the story that's being written in their life as they're as they're knowing this now like they're making a difference at a young age and that's beautiful and yeah. thanks a ton yeah really cool yeah. what do you think Con?
The, uh, um, the last one is this, just to, just to wrap up. The, the third reason I think that we, we drift at times is um, competing voices. We don't see our impact. And then um, we go it alone. And we don't, actually, we don't actually think to go with others. That's such a great story of going with others. But um, we, we uh, a number of years ago, realized we want to grow in this as a church and have been, been seeking and praying and kind of experimenting with different ways to do that. And um, about six months ago, we started launching neighborhood communities where that's, that's a key piece of the vision is that we would go together in different neighborhoods that, where we already live and, and meet together and find ways to serve in our neighborhoods. And um, if you've been around, you've heard some of the stories that are coming up, but there's a, um, a clothing exchange that's happened in North Portland. Um, there's a... a a couple of Easter egg hunts that have happened uh, through this for, for the neighborhood. Um, I've shared this before, so if, if you've heard this before, just please smile and laugh again at it. But one of my favorite stories when the neighborhood community I'm a part of in, in East Portland was we got together and uh, one guy uh, looks at the next, the guy sitting next to him at the tables or stuffing Easter eggs for an Easter egg hunt going to be the following month. And he says, um, how long have you been coming to Mosaic? And the guy's response was, what's a Mosaic? Um, which just, okay. I even asked you to laugh a little bit, and that was, that was really disappointing. No, um, uh, it's, just, it's just a great story that we've, we've created a, a context, a place for somebody who, who's not following Jesus and isn't a part of a church to, 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 to safely come in and to be around other people that are following Jesus. And, and we don't yet know the impact that, that we're going to have on them just simply by being around them. The disciples say this, actually Peter specifically later on uh, in, in chapter 4. Um, he's, verse 20 says this, As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can't help it. That, that's what it means to be a witness. I'm walking with Jesus. I've experienced the Holy Spirit. I'm learning to respond to him. And I can't help it but to tell other people of who I know Jesus to be and what difference he's made in my life. It says earlier in that chapter, that, that Peter, and he's, he's before the Sanhedrin, he's on trial when he's saying this. He says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is one of the things that we just can't help but talk about Jesus. We want to be that people. Um, Jesus modeled it for, for us. We want to be that, that, that we just can't help telling other people about Jesus because we've experienced him and it's flowing naturally out of our life. I want to invite you to, to come to one of these tables as we continue to worship. Um, if, you're, if you're upstairs, there's ones in the, in the corners. There's one right in the middle of the room there. And then there's, there's two up here. And why... Well, why we come to this so often is because we need it. Um, because each and every one of us, whether, whether today you're going to choose to follow Jesus or you've been following Jesus for decades or it's just been a few weeks or months, that, that we come regularly back to these tables because it tells the story of Jesus giving his body and his blood, his, his life for us because we needed him to pay the penalty for sin that we couldn't. And then he conquers death and rises again and invites us to step into his kind of life. And so there's little pieces of bread and juice and we take it and we dip it and remind it of his body broken and his bloodshed. So we're going to continue to sing. The band's going to lead us. When you're ready, I invite you to one of these tables um, around the room uh, when you're ready. So would you lead us?